I want to make sure the band is all comfortable. I've been worried about your bands since the other night. I didn't wait for the round. You know, I, I want to say something about this weekend for my wife and for me. But we are so, of course, grateful to you. I asked you to come to some tremendous thing. But Annie was just our children this year. Uh, I would love for, we would have loved for our 13, 15 year old daughter and son to have seen this many young people love Jesus like you do. And are really deserve him the way you do. And play him in the way you do. So, um, I hope we can make that mistake again if the Lord gives us some more time to, to relate. We have been thinking about some themes that I want to focus on with Jesus. Oh, by the way, I need to say this, and that was. I have moved up one notch of weirdness this, this uh, today. <laughs> I was given a full-blown Salvation Army sweater the night of That is why it's not a shame to call them brothers. That means you would be saved. 
I will proclaim your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, notice again, these are what Jesus is saying now. I, these are words put into his mouth, I will proclaim your name, Father, to my brothers. I'm going to change and call them my brothers, meaning brothers and sisters. And again, I will put my trust in him, meaning in God, in, in my Father. I, I will trust him. Very interesting way of looking at biblical language, putting these actually in the mouth of Jesus, the one who's perfected, our author, our brother. And it says, Why? Since therefore the children share you and me in flesh and blood, he himself also partook of the same, and we have the word there, of the same things, of the same nature. Of the same being as you and me, he partook of all those things that, through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. Now, what an amazing paragraph, so full that 30 minutes can't give us any time to look at anything deeply. But I want to just touch on three things that I connect, I can connect here with any salvationist concept of leadership. If I can get this to have I turned this off, guys? Is, 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 is uh, my life flashing before me? There we go. I love it. <laughs> um, these folks have done everything this week. It's amazing how they serve them. All right. Yeah, that's right. Clap for Speaking out with the mind of Christ, serving with the heart of Christ, and now leading with his purpose. What is his purpose? Now, for me, when you think of leadership, most of us have shells, or at least you know where to go to get shells to book on leadership. It's a big thing, you think. I, I'm always asked, have you read the last book on leadership? And I, I probably should read them all. But you know, when I read money of them, I, I get to see them in evidence. Because leadership sort of has a motif in American evangelicalism that I, I maybe I'm just not a leader. Maybe I'm going to follow you. But there's something about those books that just seem to me to be removes from reality. It, it, it's, a, it's a human, contrived, I don't know how to say it, I don't know wrong, I don't want to be critical. It seems to me that most people think we should be like John Wayne. That's how we think it be. You want to leave the church, just come in like the dude and take over. Now maybe sometimes that's that, especially when the devil's involved. But other than me, I don't think people would like to follow you like that. I know, but maybe not. And so I want to ask you, where do we get our mom? If it's not Jesus, I don't think the other Christian law. I don't hear such a thing. So his leadership is key for us. When I come to the army, I find it's a very simple, recurrent outline in leadership. From the ancient, that's what I call the early salvation, salvation still today. A recurrent theme, I'm reading right now, starting the, the biography of, of your national commander. Amazing man, amazing story. His motto, I think, is this. Mission means everything. Mission is everything. Now, that's the kind of leader I want to follow because I know what he means by mission. When you just say mission or the mission, most people don't mind what you mean. The salvation has been very clear. We have one first foundational key, and that is that all reality is founded in the triune God. Everything is based upon that Creator who is not the world and who is not us. He is beyond us, He's holy, and He's come to us. I was reading a, an interesting uh, 
interview between a young cadet a little while before Booth died. In fact, he called this interview the lamb interviewing the lion. That's how young he was and how this, this archaic general, great man of God seemed to him. As they're going through, he said, General, it seems to me that theology pretty much doesn't, doesn't really interest you. And Booth interrupted him and said, Well, I don't mean to say it doesn't matter. I can leave that to the egghead that teaches seminary. I think he's talking about me. But anyway, he said, what we want to do is this. He says, there are three things you got to believe. And I love this. Man must believe in the great God, the great common Father. That's all he said, the Father. And in Jesus Christ, his Son, who died on the cross to save all men. And in the Holy Spirit, who opens people's eyes to see themselves sinners and shows them how to believe, helps them to master their selfishness in general, and fight the devil and sin. I like that kind of outline. That's pretty clear to me. He based his entire ministry, over the 60 years, in the trying life. Applied, applied to people's lives. I think the devil's fighting this service tonight. I don't know what's going on here. I am doing everything right. Because I'm a salvation. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I got my talent. I All right. The, the basis of human existence for, for those of us. Should I just throw this thing away? Because I can shout as loud as anybody here. All right. Let me just do that. All right. The basis of human existence is to image that life. That is, we are all made in the image of God. The early salvationists saw this incredibly deeply and clearly. They loved every single person equally. There was nobody that was treated with any kind of partiality or favoritism. They realized the poorest and the worst was the same before God as the wealthiest and the most educated. They did not choose based on who had money or position. Everyone was made to them in the image of God, and their purpose then was to be a part of restorative image in those people's lives. And they did everything they could to build every aspect, both moral and spiritual and physical, into their lives. Thirdly, they all viewed us, all Christians, as leaders who are formed in the nature of the Holy One. The great thing about the army is there's no distinction in terms of ministry ability. Yes, you have certain kinds of, of degrees and certain kinds of, of steps and ordination and commissioning, and thank God for that. But everyone is called to be a soldier. Amen. Everyone is called to be a minister. And they didn't let anybody forget that. Now, in that kind of a place, you can't have anything but explosion of revival. If you've got those three things in mind. Holy love, restore the image of God, and let that image of God then permeate the world in a way in which the nature of the Holy One is offered in its fullness wherever a person lives. Hmm. Now, what do you think when holiness comes to your mind? I don't know about you, but some of us think about a monk. I don't know if it's a kind of a young monk, actually, but you have to get this monk view of holiness. Leadership for the Salvation Army and for the Bible is never separated from the holy nature of God. Or, maybe you think of holiness this way, which I just missed. It was a picture of a woman with a bun on the back of her head, real tight. And she has an umbrella she wants to beat people with when they have fun. Maybe that's your view of holiness. That is not the Army's view of holiness. 
If you want to read anything about these folks, I know some are pretty strong, some are pretty interesting people, but I love the fact that people love to be near Samuel Logan Brangle because he was so joyful. One of the most often asked questions then was, how can you have so much joy? Why are you so cut and pick and happy? And he would say, because of the grace of God in my life, he's filling my life. Now, if you're not being asked that sometime in your life, somewhere in your life, something's wrong. The joy of the Holy One filling one's life, making a person engaging and loving and kind and gracious. Now, maybe home, this is more like this. I was in a meeting where a Jewish scholar came, and I was really upset. You know, Jews, British, I don't know, all that stuff. And he said, you know, you, you evangelicals, you use the word Yahweh. You didn't say the word the word for Lord, you know what you say. You say it all the time. We Jews, we, we can't even say the word. But he said, because we don't know how to say the word, maybe it's because the word shouldn't be pronounced. Maybe the word's supposed to be something more like this. And then he went, wow. And I thought, you know, I think he's done something. We treat holiness like it's some kind of doctrine. You know, I'm a leader in the army, I'm in the mission, I'm going here to serve, and so, yeah, I'll just take. The gospel, whatever you mean by that, I'll take the gospel and I'll, I'll do whatever I want. When in reality, the only calling I can send from anything in the army's books on what it means to be a soldier and an officer is this. If you are not leading people to holiness, you are not leading as a salvation. I believe that's true. Now, let me tell you why I think that. Branwell Booth says this in one of his marvelous year-long devotional books, which I've used for several years in my life. What the world needs is men and women who will cooperate with him in the production of a race of holy men and women who will die rather than remain sterile and buried in the service of Jesus, their Lord. And that's what he's talking about. If you don't want to get a, be a part of the production of that kind of race of people, then just don't be a salvationist. Go and be a Methodist or somebody else. We can do. We have lots of people like that in other denominations. Don't play around with anything less than that in this marvelous group of Christians. Leaders who know the God who's holy, the one who is that great, unknowable, yet revealing, holy love, and in the middle of your life, coming through that part of, your, of yours and your hands, comes this remarkable deluge, not in your life, but in the life of God in you. Now Israel was preoccupied with this. They had concentric circles all through their, their, their history. You had these circles that, that, that had Israel and then the temple. And I have no idea what pictures are coming up, but they were really impressive pictures. We have the directions of the book of, of Hebrews itself. And if you read the book, it's like it's, it's almost like a travel log. You start on the outside. In his last days, the sun has been revealed. And he's moving us forward. He's come and he's greater than Moses. He's come and he's greater than Aaron. He's come and he's greater than all the sacrificial system. You can't offer enough sacrifices. One sacrifice once for all. And you and I in America can stop there and say, Lord, thank you for giving yourself a sacrifice. But the book doesn't end there. Because the gospel doesn't end there. The gospel says, oh, he's greater than the temple. Why? Because he wants to take us into the Holy of Holies. That's where he's leading. Remember chapter 2? He's taking us sons and daughters into glory. And that's not heaven first. 
It's through the Holy of Holies where He's made a way for you and me as priests to enter in, to be cleansed, to be purified, and to dwell in the middle of that blast furnace of His holy nature. And the Salvation Army has been based upon that always. I don't care who you hear. I don't care what you read. I don't care what you don't hear in pulpits where you preach or teach. I am telling you, if you take one hour and dive into anyone that's a father or mother of this denomination, you will find that is what they live and die for. And they were not going to be pulled back by anybody who said, but you can't lead that far because nobody can ever get there. Nobody can, they would say, you've missed the point. Jesus came to bestow the Holy Spirit. And if he doesn't do that, he's not completed his ministry in the world. And so we come now to tell you, he can cleanse you from your sins, and he can take you into the holy place, and he can make you clean. He leads everyone who wants to be led there. And a leader in his name says, that's my calling. I don't care how perverted, I don't care how muddy and filthy a life is, I am called to nothing less than pointing them to the Holy One. With my life, my words, and my actions. The tabernacle is a picture, isn't it, to us? This amazing picture of the mystery of God's presence. You and I know the Holy of Holies was the central core of all of Israel's life. How do we dwell with one who is so unlike us? Think of, of that famous quote by Bengal, and I haven't memorized it, you probably have. He says, I, I bumped up into God one day and I realized that I was not love and he was love. I was impure and he was pure. I, I was unloving and he was all love. All those contrasts. And with that stark self-realization of a man already in ministry, he says, God, please do something in my life. And he did. And you and I are here tonight. I'm here tonight. Because the influence of men and women like that, who can say against the flow of evangelicalism, and it's against the flow, God can make a man and a woman holy. He can sanctify a heart entirely. He can fill with perfect love, which is His love. And if you pull off on that, I want to tell you something. You're not leaving like Jesus. You're leaving like American leadership, and I'm going to ask you, where has that led us? Where has that gotten us? In the church. I don't want to follow anybody but Jesus. And I don't want to follow anybody who doesn't know Jesus and His purpose. You in this room hold millions of people's souls in your hands. You must lead like Jesus led. But he told us, told us it's God giving himself. He is not hiding from us. He is not unreachable. Yes, he's different, distinct, but he's not distant in some austere, I don't like you kind of way. Holiness is not that at all. You can't look at Jesus and think one of those words ever applies to God. He doesn't hide in some darkened room waiting for you to get yourself together, put yourself. He is showing himself, revealing himself. All of the Bible says, look, this is who I am. This is how I act. This is how I love. This is how I, I show compassion. So Jesus comes and he says, by his incarnation, God is not concealing himself in some holy, other than thou kind of way. He is revealing himself. Which means, he is not repulsed by you. 
He's not, he is captivated by them. One of the best moments in all of my education came in a, in a theology class in which my marvelous teacher stopped doing his theology on the board, all these words and different languages. And he said, I think I can summarize it this way. He turned around to me, all, all of us, I thought he was looking at me, and he said, I want to tell you, Jesus is the start rate of bananas about you. And I've always loved that sentence. He start raving bananas about you. I think I knew that's really good, right? Start raving bananas. He is berserked. He is captivated with you. And everyone you ever meets, they're making his image too. He wants to restore his image. He is captivated with that which he's made. He wants to restore fully to himself every single human being. He is not reserved. Holiness is not reserved in some kind of, I'm better than you. You better, you better straighten up, boy. You better get things right. God, Jesus never came across because he's not for one second like that. He's not reserved, he's engaged. He wants all of our life to be like him. So in this passage, in these last ten or so minutes, I saw three things that become three terms for leadership. What I'd love to be someday, like Jesus. And what I found in those who are like Jesus, the things that lead me to the center of all realities. The first word is this. It comes in verse 10. It's a Greek word which most Bibles have translated differently. I found, at this time, at least 10 different translations. They go like this. We have author, which I read. We have trailblazer, chief, captain, leader, pioneer, and about four or five others. My favorite is not often found in the Bible because I think it encapsulates the entire book. Jesus is our way paving. He makes a way. And the way, as our leader, as our chief, as, our, as the author of our salvation, His way, the way He's making, is a way of holiness. He redeems, He cleanses, but He makes a way of holiness. He wants to reproduce a holy people. That's the way of glory. That's where He's taking anyone who will go with Him. So those of us who want to go with him, go behind him. I don't know if this picture comes. Most of you in this room that are married know what you go through if you're a man in a marriage. It normally happens in the middle of the night when the wife, my precious, beautiful Diane, I love with all my heart, but she has the sharpest, beautiful elbow in the world. It's a sharp little elbow. And when that elbow comes across, whack! I know I'm in trouble. And I'll say, well, honey, what is it? And she'll say, did you hear that? And I'll say, hear what? And she'll say that. There's a monster in the living room. And I will say, well, what do you want me to do about it? And then comes the next sentence, which the logic which has escaped me all of my marriage. I will ask her, well, why do I have to go? And she will say, because you're the man. Because I want you to die. That's what she means. So, dumb, dumb man that I am, I get up from my soft, warm bed and I go into that monster-filled living room. And where is Diane? She's walking right behind me. Because if there is a monster, she can run and save her life, and I'm a dead man. And that's the same way it is with Jesus. Same way with all. I don't care how cool you are or how great you are. If you don't have him as a white paper, you're in a heap of trouble. You will meet the Holy One one day. And if he's not made a way for you, you're in a heap of trouble. 
But Jesus says, oh, I long to make a way for everything. To walk in the middle of the purifying glass furnace of the holiness of a triune God. Standing before God clean and blameless. Amazing promise. Somehow we let leadership, his leadership, lead in all kinds of different ways. The Lord says, oh, I have one way. The way through me. Come behind me. Put your finger in the loop of my back row. I'll walk through anything in life. I'll take you through anything in life. I'll be right there because I am the author of your life. I'm the author of your salvation. I'm the captain of your salvation. I will pave the way for you. And I believe a leader in Jesus' name is a person just like that. Just like the salvationists in this room. Who have paved the way for you if you're under 20 who have paved the way for why you're here this weekend. They have prayed, and they have given, and they have preached, and they've counseled, and they've guided, and they've been up late at night, and they all these things I've heard hinted at and talked about in our marvelous testimonies. There has been a massive amount of way paving. Don't you, young person, miss the point. This is not a call to a job, not a call to some social reform movement, it's a call to the Holy One and all He does to touch the world with all of His needs. Don't miss where your loved ones are pointing you. They're pointing to Him and nothing less than the Holy Son of God. He is our way paver and those who think His name pave the way for others who live in fear and doubt and hopelessness. Come, follow me. We're going to Jesus. That's where we live and we're leading people in His name. Second, turn. Jesus is our brother. Now, I know liberals have made that a weird deal. I, I'm sick and tired of that, that equalizing thing where his divinity is diminished. You know, as well as I, he's the son of God eternally. But he also is our brother. He took on, this guy said, the author says, the same essence. We are of one essence with, with Jesus. He with us. Listen to me. At the right hand of the Father tonight, I can't move away from this pulpit camera because it's there. That's going to restrain you a little bit. That's probably good for you. At the right hand of the Father tonight is a Jewish carpenter whose name is Jesus. Now, it's not some localized weird thing. He's a glorified body, but he never ceases being Jesus of Nazareth. He knows every single human being. My brother's a weird kind of dude. I'll tell you, he's a freaky, strange... I, I can't... He's crazy. He's out of his mind. Thank God he's not here this weekend. All of you would think the juries are out of their minds. He's really weird. I'm telling you what. And he started when he was dumb. I used to beat him up just because he, he was so weird. I mean, that's the kind of relationship we have. Stay away from me. One day we got caught by some police. We thought... We thought the little white balls that were hanging all over this green grass were for us to pick up as missionaries' kids because they were gifts from the military for us to pick up and take home. And we were arrested by four MPs with their guns out, taken to the table where my parents were, thinking, as they saw us coming, our ex-convict sons were already becoming just like that. I could see this is our future. You know, policemen and our sons, and we came screaming, crying, and stuff coming out of our nose, and, you know, didn't know what was going on, and I looked at my brother, and two things went across my mind in that stupid-looking boy's face, my brother. First one was, we're going to go through an awful lot of stuff together. And secondly, I can't get rid of him. <laughs> you know what? 
You can't get rid of Jesus either. He is your brother. He is committed to you forever. Now, you can reject him. You can slap him in the face. We've talked about it already. He's under the force relationship, but that doesn't see his connection to your life. And I want to say to you, the army has been the example in the last 150 years in this culture, the example of tying one's nature, human nature, to another human nature, no matter what the difference, no matter what the income, and saying, I am connecting my life to you as sister to sister, brother to brother, and I'm not leaving you. If you want to leave like Jesus, get ready, because you're not going to get rid of the poor. They're going to be there. And God says that's exactly right. And I want you to do just what I did. Give yourself away without any reserve as a brother and sister to those who are the deepest of needs. I wish I had time to talk about that. The history of the army is full. I could give you hundreds of examples. I think of a, of a quote in one of the books I've read about Luke that said, he could not pass a hurting person without feeling pain in his own spirit. I'm not worried about that. He couldn't pass by anybody in need without there's something, a shaft of pain going through his own being. I've got to do something to help my brother, my sister. I love that little interchange between Grant and Floyd Army Force. I love this. You know, somebody who's got a bigger coat than you tells you what to do when you do it. I love that. A little different color, different stars. Boom, you're, you're doing it. What happens in your family? I love that stuff. I, I really am drawn to that. That's really, that's, that's cool. Lydia. Uh, no, Grandma comes and says to Bill, William, I think you call him Bill here, don't you? That's weird to me. Bill Booth Theater, I can't go there. That's almost like a religious to me. All right, William Booth Theater. All right. William comes back and says, Grandpa, I wish some guys living under a bridge on you listen to eat and to sleep. we got to do something. And Grandpa says, well, we better have any money. Booth says to Grandpa, well, that's your problem. Get them shelter, get them food, look. And that was the beginning of every shelter you've ever seen in the South Carolina. I love that. <laughs> Fix it. Do it. Be a brother to that need. Lead by connecting yourself to need in the world and just get it done in Jesus' name and the power of the Spirit. I got four minutes and I'm going to do this. A brother in this paragraph of this chapter says in suffering. Sorry. A brother in temptation. Jesus knows all of our suffering. He knows all of our temptation. In fact, the word for temptation can go two ways. You all who study the Bible know this. It can mean the same as temptations, all the same kinds of temptations. He knows the full range of them, but he also knows all of our trials. He knows all of our fears. He even knows failure, not moral failure. But you think about the end of his life, you think about the tragedy of those last few hours when he had nothing but rejection and betrayal, that murderous kind of betrayal, when all of your friends turn their face and run the other way. They don't want to be anywhere near you. That's where you and I feel the pain of absolute relational failure. Jesus says, yeah, I know. I know exactly what it's like when your family members reject you, leave you, divorce from you, never speak. I know exactly what that's like. He's a brother in all of that. And if someone's going to leave his name, we're going to say in some way, you know, I understand. I am with you in this. I'm not leaving you in this tragedy. I'll be here no matter what because of Jesus, because of his way. 
And he's given me a heart like a sister or a brother to you because that is his nature. And I will do nothing less than to be with you. Everything I see you in the history of the army connects with that theme. And when the church stops being that, something's, something's deep in it. All right. Let's go on. Holiness, then, is not some austere thing. It is God giving himself to us, not concealing himself, but revealing himself. He is the way he He paves the way to his own nature, his own life, his own holy life. Secondly, he is not condescending. The word that the author of this book uses is he is concerned with us. And I love the word because he is literally, in 616, he takes hold. He's not somebody who's condescending, okay, I'll try to fix you, dirty, stinking sinner. No, he takes hold. He puts his arms around. I don't know if I can find it for you. But I think it was Grandma who said, the whole world, yes, here it is. The salvation army exists not so much for the salvationists as it does for the whole world. All the world. The Salvation Army conception is not just for us, not just for you, it's for the entire world. Your arms extend. I was listening to one of your major leaders speaking. I wrote the quotes down, I hope they're correct. When he said, My arms are around the world as my heart is bent on its salvation. Again, listen to this. We salvationists are married with the poor. I've read a lot of church history. I've never read anybody say that. We are married to the poor. That sounds like Jesus to me. That sounds like not condescending love. That sounds like concerned love. The love of the brother. And lastly, yes, I am Jesus our meeting. You know the word. You know about the cross. I would say that 98%, if not more, in this room have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. He has offered himself for your sins, for your life, and you've said, Jesus, I believe in you. I trust in you without a doubt. I lean upon you. I fall upon you. By your grace, welcome me in your heart and you have and his done. Praise God. But I would love to know tonight if that focus of the army, which was what God could do for you, has also been met by what Jesus can do for us, do something for us, but also what he wants to do in us. I went back just before I came here and I read again the uh, article, Article 11 of your Articles of Faith. I won't read the whole thing. You know where I'm going. I love this because this is my life. This is why I lived. These truths have changed every moment of my life since I was 22 years of age. This kind of belief. This is the way of those who follow Jesus with all their hearts. We believe sanctification is the work of God's grace through the Word of the Spirit by which those who have been born again are cleansed from sin in their thoughts, words, and acts, and are enabled to live in accordance with God's will, and to strive for that holiness without which no one shall see the Lord. Entire sanctification is a state of perfect love, righteousness, and true holiness, which every regenerate believer may obtain by being delivered from the power of sin, by loving God with all the heart, mind, soul, and strength. And it goes on to two more paragraphs. You want to say, Bill, that's not the way the Bible, I will take you on anyone here. That is the gospel message. That is the Bible's message. There is no way you can read one page of the Bible without coming out 
with, from that page saying, God wants more than simply to do something at me or to me or on me. He wants to change and can change me inside. And if you're not changed inside, let me tell you something, you are not going to lead people to Jesus. You'll lead them to your idea of Jesus, and I'm telling you, it's a warped picture. He is the Savior who sanctifies. He's the one who is made like us as our brother, and the way he pays is a way to his own holy heart. And that's where you dwell in peace, that's where you dwell in joy, that's where you dwell in righteousness, and the poor and the wealthy, it doesn't matter. They receive the love that comes out of a heart like that, like a cataract, a waterfall that you can't stop. A person who can feel the love of God, you can tell in a heartbeat. And a person who can feel it themselves, you can tell in a heartbeat. I walked into a chapel service. I missed everything else in the last line. This was it. He said, you have really two reasons in life to live. The preacher said, that is it. You can either be an occasion for yourself or an occasion for God. What's it going to be? I'll tell you, I've read other books on leadership. For me, as I leave you tonight, I want to say, that's your opportunity you should go back on. You can be an occasion for yourself and try your best to squeeze out of ministry. But you know what? I tried that. It's no good for you or anybody else. But you can't go back and be an occasion for God's holy life and presence. An occasion for the Holy One, who is the only true way paper, the only true one who knows our essence, and he's the medium he can make you new. And if you're not filled with his spirit tonight, I want to say as my brother Bob comes to close here, I know his heart. I know how Bob and Coletta prayed and fasted and given and all the hundred others have worked and prayed and fasted. They want nothing less than God's full life in your life as you're led by the Spirit into His mission before you. As Bob closes, I know you and I need to pray. Lord, you speak to my heart. I don't want to commit to anything that's less than your mission. Let's let him speak now as Bob leads us. Thank you. Bill and I um, have been talking for many months about these uh, few days that we've been spending together. And uh, the challenge that, that uh, we share is as we were discussing what do we want to accomplish? And we recognize that we wanted to speak to our college-age kids and our high school kids and help them to understand what was necessary for us to succeed as a Salvation Army. We, we, didn't, we didn't necessarily want to focus our, our time in these moments that we had together on our officers or on our saints, but we wanted to focus our time together on those who were ready to take up the mission. And, and his words have been enforced. The Spirit has spoken through him in, in an incredible way. And, and we can pray. But we go and we hear from four officers and from leaders that we need our young people 
to take up this responsibility of leading with the purpose of Jesus Christ. Our young people have become too comfortable. Can I say that? We've become comfortable with coming to church and being who we are, but it's come to the point, it's come to the time where we have to accept that responsibility of leading people to Jesus Christ. I've asked many, many people to do things that they've been uncomfortable with. Come and give your testimony. Come and pray. Come and share. Come and play. Come and sing. And as you see them backstage, they're all doing this. It's a scary thing. It's frightening to stand in front of your peers. But that's what it's going to take if our army is going to succeed in fulfilling the purpose of our mission. I want to do something a little different tonight. Traditionally, at uh, a commissioning weekend, we would ask that you to come to the office. And you would respond. And you've done that year after year after year. But tonight, I want you to do something completely different. Something that we are totally uncomfortable with. Are you listening to me? If you're willing to accept this responsibility of leadership, and you're willing to totally give yourself over to Jesus Christ, to deny yourself, to forget about being afraid of sharing your beliefs and your faith with someone else, I want you to stand where you are. And tell someone right there where you are that you are now going to change what you do when you come to the core, what you do in your schools, what you do where you just walk around in your community. And you're going to make it your mission to change the world because you love Jesus and you call yourself a salvationist. I've listened for the past year and a half that we have talked about come join our army. It's not a slogan. It's a mission. We believe in what it is that, that we do. And we invest a lot in one another. So tonight I'm going to ask Keith to play. And Keith's going to play we're going to sing the chorus. It's a very familiar chorus to all of us salvationists in the central territory. All that I am. And I'm going to ask that as we sing this chorus, that you will stand and you will give your testimony to someone right where you are about what you are going to do. To help a salvation army succeed in its mission. Time here this weekend and not be changed when we go home. 